welcome Rebecca Metz of Better Things and on FX and of Coop and Cammy Ask the World on Disney Channel. How are you doing today? I'm really well, thanks. How are you? I'm great. You know, it seems like you're having fun. You get to be on this rather risque adult <laughs> uh, FX series and then mm-hmm. be actually kind of a depressing but happy character on this Disney Channel show where it's like, <laughs> oh, it's Disney Channel. It's great. Oh, by the way, one of the parents is dead. That's like, I know. I sort of, I mean, I'm not going to say I love that he's dead, but I, I love that there's a little um, complexity mm-hmm. to that character and that family situation. I do have to be very careful to remember which set I can curse on. <laughs> this is very true. Very conscious of that. Although, see, I'm just happy that it was, a, uh, excuse me, I'm just happy it was that it was a successful marriage and didn't end in divorce because being oh, a widow. No. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I don't know if they've ever had a divorce storyline. I think this is a little kind of out there for them, though. Uh, you know, a few people have said to me this is, you know, it's a bit of a departure for Disney Channel to have a single parent family and, you know, deal with the loss of a father. Um, so it's like new ground. Well, Disney usually kills the mother, so. I know. <laughs> Again, I don't mean to say I'm excited <laughs> that they killed the dad this time, but I mean I'm glad I get to be there. You're the lone mother survivor on on the Disney Channel. Yeah, that's a proud <laughs> proud title to wear. I think. Right, because yeah, if we go back, let's see, Snow White, uh, no mother, Bambi, Bambi, mother gets shot in front of him. Uh, right. Dumbo, I think Dumbo. Dumbo? You, yeah, you and Dumbo's mom. Are the only two, but she was tortured. So, and you haven't been that. So yeah, that's good. she didn't. I, I I fare much better than Dumbo's <laughs> mom, that's for sure. Of which that movie comes out in a couple of weeks. Yes, yeah, so we saw the premiere, and I'm happy to report Dumbo's mom meets a happier fate <laughs> in this version. We're not allowed to do such terrible things to animals anymore. So. Right. Well, that's good. Uh, you know, I've been reading up about you a little bit. You're a Carnegie Mellon graduate from the School of Drama. A great okay. reputation for a university. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think you, Joe Montaigne, uh, not Montaigne, sorry. Uh, uh, Maganello. Maganello and a bunch yeah. of uh, J- uh, Josh Gad. All of you are alumni of that that school. Yeah, Donalyn Champlin, who's on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Patrick mm-hmm. Wilson, Zach Quinto, lots of us. Mm-hmm. Katie Mixon. Wow. Well, that that's yeah. great, especially since you guys actually had the talent to succeed there with all the university scandals that are going on right now. <laughs> Yeah, um, uh, yeah. I got in there all by myself. I took my own SATs the old-fashioned way and um, got in there. I, I, I don't know that Carnegie, at least when I got in, cared that much about the actors' SAT scores. I mean, I, there was a guy in my class who claimed that he wrote his name and turned it in. So uh, I don't know this is necessarily as grueling as it has maybe become. Right. But, um, yeah, I got into college on my own merits, I'm proud to say. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, you, you've also been quoted as saying, or I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, that mm-hmm. you know you enjoy television a bit more, and television is going in directions that we haven't seen in the past sixty years. Yeah, I think that's kind of undeniable. I mean, you know, the sort of when I when I came out here, when I got out of college and moved to LA. I mean, I kind of looked at what was going on on Broadway, and it was the whole revival musicals and jukebox musicals thing was starting, and it's it that that didn't really appeal to me. And um, and TV was just starting to be what TV has turned into. It was right when The Sopranos was happening, and um, it was it was just really you know I grew up watching TV. It was really exciting to me, and now you know movies, which were kind of at the top of the prestige heap 
when mm-hmm. I came out here, movie stars are flocking to television. So right. I sort of lucked into this really magical time in television when all this exciting work is happening and I get to be a part of it. That's awesome. I think Kiefer Sutherland was the first one that did that ma- uh, that migration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. I once got to sing Stand By Me to him in a karaoke bar. Really? Yeah. Oh, fill me in on this one. <laughs> there was a time uh, when it was all because of Carnegie. We had There's something out here called the Carnegie Mellon West Coast Drama Alumni Clan, which is like an alumni organization. Carnegie has like a notorious alumni mafia <laughs> in film and television, and um, I was the president of this organization pretty soon after I got out of school. And we would have monthly board meetings, and after the board meetings, we would go to this karaoke bar called Dimples in Burbank, um, which was recently demolished in favor of a Whole Foods. I can't really talk about it. <laughs> but um, how very LA for a while. Yes, very. I spent a lot of time in Dimples, and Kiefer Sutherland showed up one night, and you know what choice did I have but to sing him "Stand by Me"? Makes perfect sense. Right? You know, you could have sang the theme song from uh, Lost Boys. I could have. I mean, yeah, I guess I had a little bit of a musical catalog to choose from, but Stand By Me was in my repertoire, and so right. I just went with what I knew. Well, see, there you go, and that makes a, a lot more sense. And the, <laughs> the only thing that could top this story is if that Donald Sutherland walked in and he did a duet with him. Oh, that would have been amazing. I would have probably tried to recite his JFK monologue to him, but wouldn't have gone well, gone well. I was probably drunk and he would have not known what I was doing. Yeah. How do you remain happy-go-lucky being a Jersey girl in LA? Because it's two totally different worlds. Very different worlds. I think I was just talking to someone about whenever I go back east, it takes me two or three days to remember that like people on the subway in the city don't make eye contact and smile at each other. Uh-huh. I think LA... Um, L.A. people, my husband likes to say that, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this. My husband likes to say that, let me see if I can get this right. On the East Coast, people have manners, but they're not polite. And on the West Coast, people are polite, but they don't have manners. Like, there's a bit more of a formality, I think, on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, people tend to be a little warmer and more easygoing. Oh, Mm -hmm. God, you're going to get, like, hate letters from both coasts. No, it's okay, because I'm from San Francisco. It's okay. Well, see, I'm from San Francisco, um, so I, I talk bad about L.A. and San Francisco. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. When I went to school in Pittsburgh, I called my dad because we went downtown mm-hmm. to do something, and I called my dad, and I was like, uh, we went downtown today, and I did not see a downtown. I'm, <laughs> I, I think I'm in a city. It doesn't look like a city. And he said the only cities you, you grew up with New York being the city, so the only cities that will ever look like cities to you are New York, San Francisco, and London. Mm-hmm. He was kind of right. Um, and I think that L.A. does make me feel kind of going. There's coyotes and wildlife and green everywhere. It, it doesn't really feel like the city, which I think is healthy for me. It's part mm-hmm. of why I didn't go to New York. Right. Like, I like feeling a little off campus <laughs> here. I like that. I like that phrase. Yeah, that's yeah. how it feels. Right. Yeah, no, I'm originally from San Francisco, and people ask me what's the difference between L.A. and San Francisco, and I said, well, they're both full of shit. It's just a <laughs> different type of full of shit. Yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> you I know, think that's fair. Like, San Francisco yeah, I, is I very – I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, I think L.A. gets a reputation for being fake, and mm-hmm. I don't – I don't find that – at least not – 
it took me a while to figure out where my place was in LA. And I think mm. that it's so vast, it's so spread out right. that, um, you know, you're, everybody isn't forced into the same kind of Manhattan area mm-hmm. uh, or Brooklyn area. And so it takes a while, I think, to find where you fit in. But once you find it, um, I don't uh, spend a lot of time in places where people feel super fake. Right. And, and you see that in, you see that kind of, I think what people mean when they say that you see it in San Francisco, in New York, you see it everywhere. Yeah. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just saying that the difference between LA full of shit and San Francisco full of shit is that at least LA's full of shit are pretty people, you know, being superficial. <laughs> well, that's true. San Francisco true. are, you know, I, I'm liberal and I care about the world until I'm inconvenienced. Then don't put those people here. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, Marin County is guilty of that. I mean, I'm not trying to get on a political uh-huh. tirade, but I just see no, it's no, like no. you can, you're going to tell me one thing and then your behavior is completely different bothers me. That's why I like you East Coast people cuz like you said, you guys are are, pol- are you have manners but you're not necessarily polite, but it's not rude. It's just it is no, what it it's is. It's just it's straightforward. It's yeah. what you see is what you get. There's kind of no bullshit, which I think I still maintain and still appreciate in people. Like, uh, you know, I do find that I gravitate towards other East Coast people, and we tend to uh, clump up together <laughs> out here. Right. And people people can smell it on you. People, right. You know, I'll be talk- meet a new person, talk to them for five minutes, and they go, where are you from? Right. New Jersey. And they're like, yeah, I knew that. Yeah. Because, because you can break each other's balls out, you know, over there yeah. and not get offended by the slightest thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Little little thicker skin. My husband's from New Jersey also when we met out here. Um, I think there's some shared experience. Really? It there. took you thirty five hundred miles to meet each other when you were like two towns over? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. I've dated I actually dated a guy who I met in LA from the same hometown as me. Mm-hmm. Kind of just because we were like, That's crazy. We should go out which it turns out is not a great basis for a romantic relationship, but you know, it was fun while it lasted. At least you didn't go to high school with them. So. No. God, no. Yeah. Love my high school. No offense, but no. Uh, see, I hated mine, so I, I'm like, you know, dump you on know. all of them. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's funny because people are just like, oh, but you, you did this sport, you did this activity, you did that. And I was like, yeah, just to, like, get my mind of how school sucked and yeah. people were annoying. I mean, hating high school is kind of a grand tradition. Like, I... I think while I was doing it, I was mm-hmm. I kind of hated it just because I knew I wanted to get out. Mm-hmm. Like I was looking forward into what was coming next. I knew I wasn't staying in New Jersey. I knew I wanted to go to acting school, and I was right. like, "Could we just get there already?" <laughs> but in hindsight, I had great friends. I was doing things I loved. I was in drama club, and you know, taking acting classes, and uh, you know, it's a lovely high school experience that I wanted to leave as soon as I could. I, I get it. Yeah. No, I was the dick that was just like, prom doesn't matter. You're never going to see these people again anyway. Shut up. <laughs> well, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> you know. Yeah, Right. But I, I was that guy when, you know, like people were looking for sympathy of, you know, nobody asked me to homecoming. Don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. Just one of those yeah. situations, you know, but yeah. you know, the the whole acting thing because television you know you're not a size two True. and that's actually considered large on camera for some reason yeah um, <laughs> yeah but you're not necessarily playing you know the quote unquote you know fat fun friend 
And mm-hmm. I hate I hate to use that term. You're just an well, not just, but you're an actress who's mm-hmm. portraying these characters without like the stereotypes being added to them. Yeah. 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 How does that feel now I, I, as an actress, you know, and not being pigeonholed into something? That feels great. I mean, I think there is a place, like, I don't know if you've watched Shrill yet. I binged it all six episodes the day it came out, and that is a show that is very much about the central character's experience of being fat in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, And it's, like, cathartic and amazing, and everyone should watch it. And also... Uh, I think it's important to have, and we have this conversation, actors of color and and all different sort of kinds of diverse actors have this conversation all the time. We also want there to be characters who are these things that we might not be so used to seeing, and Mm -hmm. their story isn't about that. They're Mm -hmm. just people in the world. I feel um, having having worked on a lot of shows and with a lot of actors, I have learned that one of the things that makes me feel really fortunate is that it is not my job to be Mm -hmm. conventionally beautiful. Like I am beautiful. A lot of people think that I'm beautiful. I, I, it doesn't mean that I can't do it or don't do it, but it's Mm -hmm. not what I get paid for. Mm -hmm. And that's really freeing because it means I can be a whole bunch of other things that are not restricted by this pressure to fit into a certain size and to look a certain way. Um, and I, I, I'm finding that's really allowing me to kind of hit my stride and explore a whole range of stuff that I might not otherwise be able to do. You know? and, and you can go to Whole Foods without TMZ taking pictures of you going, look how she looked in that one movie and now she's frumpy over here. Yeah, like I don't I don't get in trouble if I gain 10 pounds, which um, is nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and actually, my Disney contract prohibits me from losing significant amounts of weight or changing my appearance in any significant way. So I, I'm not allowed to diet. Sorry, okay. Hollywood. <laughs> not that anyone's asking me to, but I'm not allowed. The mouse is like, here's another Danish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one's ever put any pressure on me mm-hmm. about that. Um, in fact, when we were doing Shameless, I remember sitting around having a conversation, just sitting around Emmy Rossum and some of the other actors in that between takes. And I was like, oh, I should lose some weight. And Emmy Rossum was like, why? You're working. Mm-hmm. Stay the way you are. And I yeah. was like, oh, you know what? Solid point. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking about <laughs> needing to go on a diet. Got it. Stuck with me. Well, you said you had just mentioned that Disney, you know, restricts you from from losing weight and you have to keep this certain image. D23 is coming up in a couple of months. Yeah, yeah. And, and Disney Channel's always there, obviously, because it is yep. the Disney family, uh, which should be interesting now that they have a UFC contract to see if they bring in UFC with uh, ESPN+. Plus. But Oh, that, my gosh. You're so much more up on this. Than <laughs> I didn't even know that was something I should be thinking about. Yeah, yeah Disney Channel and Mixed Martial Arts. I think that's a beautiful combination. <laughs> yeah, coming soon fun. to uh, <laughs> Disney Channel. That'll be on Disney XD. Um, what, what's a fanfare like for you being on a Disney show now? Cause you know, people respect you as an actress and go, Oh, she's, uh, she's on uh, better uh-huh. things. And you know, that's a hit series on FX and it's more adult yeah. and it's more, you know, raw than, than we expect. And then it's this kid audience over here on the complete yeah. other end of the pendulum swing. They're like, Oh my God, you're my favorite TV mom or, or whatever. Yeah. It's really interesting. I talked to a couple of people who have been um, parents on Disney Channel shows before as as this was sort of 
beginning to sort of go like, what am I in for? And they were like, you're going to be famous in the most interesting way. Like at the grocery store, at Target, you're going to be the hugest celebrity. But if you go out at night, nobody's going to know who you are. So I never know. Now, you know, when people come up to me, I never know what it is they recognize me from. With kids, hopefully I do. Although I have had some kids come up and say, I love you on Shameless, which is terrifying. Um and I'm sort of like, you shouldn't, but thanks. <laughs> you look at him like, um, you're seven. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, it happens. Um, and, you know, I'm not judging their parents. That's just how it hmm. is. But it's really fun to have this kind of like new, hmm. new fan base and hmm. new bunch of people who are finding me and, and knowing me from different things. And it's it's fun to do something where I know I'm not going to have to take my clothes off or be put in like horrible emotional situations. Like we're doing fun family comedy, which is really sort of refreshing and lovely in a way that I don't even know I expected it to be. So that's been really fun. Makes sense. And it helps being famous before 8 PM. Yes. Yes. That's true too. It makes for a nice variety. Yeah, are you, I have to remember when I'm not allowed to curse. <laughs> Don't curse with the Disney Channel fans. Uh, are you a mother yourself or an aunt? Uh, no, I'm an only child with no kids by choice. I have cats. Uh, I have very maternal feelings towards my cats. Uh, but it turns out you don't have to be a human mom to play a human mom. No, but I was saying, I was going to ask if you had, well, I'm an only child as well. But if your oh. nieces and nephews' friends or your kids' friends are like, you know, you know, what's, what's mom really like at home or what's your aunt really like at home because we love her TV persona. And uh-huh. then, you know, your kids could just turn around and go, mom's not like that. She throws shoes at me or whatever. I think my friends <laughs> have said that the mom I am on the show is exactly what they think I would be like as a mom. Like, and I mean, sounds true to me. When we were going through the audition process, I kind of had a very conscious conversation with myself where I was like, I'm not what I think of when I think of a Disney Channel mom. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to do this in a way that feels true to me so that if I end up doing it for some number of years, I can like myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to give them me. And if that's what they want, that's what they want. It turns out it is. So, um, yeah, it's I get to kind of play with what I would be like as a mom. And I think it's pretty close. Mm -hmm. See, that that seems fun because now you get to it's like being a grandparent in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know, grandma, yeah. grandma and grandpa get to spoil the kids and then they send them home all sugared up. Exactly. And then the biological children look at their parents and go, where were you when I was a child? <laughs> exactly. And you don't have to deal with them once you get home. But Yeah, I get to hang out with I love the kids on our show mm-hmm. and I love their parents and guardians and I get to hang out with them and then send them back to their parents and guardians. And I get to go back to my trailer and take a nap, which is like perfect parenting for me. (laughs) You are definitely a cat lady then. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I am single in Southern California as an only child and my friends Mm -hmm. have figured out exactly why I'm single. Because every woman here has cats, and I am deathly allergic, and I do not, yeah. and I am not willing to walk around in a fog of antihistamines and yeah. just completely That's dazed fair. and abused to sit there and be in a relationship. I was like, eh, I'll stay single. Uh huh. Yeah. I went on a date when I was single with a guy who was deathly allergic to cats, and he sort of said, "Well, you know, if this goes somewhere, 
what would happen? And I was like, uh, we would wait for my cats to live out their natural lives before we moved in together. Obviously, what kind of question is that? I think he, he was a little put out by it. And I was like, uh, what did you expect me to say? I understand. My, my husband and I are actually both technically allergic to cats. Um, not severely, obviously, because that would be impossible. But, um, you know, we've just gotten used to our own cats. And we keep, we keep, we don't have the furriest cats and we mm-hmm. don't have carpet and there's things you can do to minimize mm-hmm. the sniffles. Okay. Why are so many people that are allergic to cats have cats? I can't explain it. I think we're like contrarians or it's some sort of stubbornness. Like I think cat people. The word you're looking uh, for is masochistic. Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> I went to an allergist recently um, because my doctor told me I had to go to an allergist. I'm allergic to all kinds of things, by the uh-huh. way. It's not just cats. I haven't, like, sought out the one thing. Um, but I met this allergist, and I was like, so listen, we're going to do all the tests. You're going to tell me I'm allergic to cats. I already know that. I'm not getting rid of my cats. I'm not taking them out of my bedroom. So just save yourself that conversation. And he was like, yeah, I've had this conversation before. I understand. <laughs> and um, he didn't pressured me so i appreciated that mm-hmm. good allergist i'm allergic yeah. to cockroaches it turns out and i'm not going to start keeping cockroaches around so well that's good i don't think anyone should keep cockroaches around no i said that to him and he was like i just had a woman who breeds cockroaches because her kid has a lizard or something and i had to tell her she had to get rid of them and i was like that's just insane yeah that yeah no no i'm good no yeah 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 I see, I see a lizard scurry across the the walkway, and I lock the door and shut myself in. So I'm not gonna have cockroaches. Really? I reptiles and I no uh, nope not uh, my thing. Um, you know, allergic to cats. Fish are great. Uh-huh. The only problem is uh-huh. I can't stay awake watching the tank because it's so tranquil. Uh huh. So, <laughs> are you a dog person? I am not because here's the thing. I sometimes get into a zone mm-hmm. where I forget to eat. For like the whole yeah. day, yeah. And if I can't remember to feed myself, I'm not going to remember to feed the dog, and I don't think that's fair. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's valid. Like I I entertain getting a dog, but I cats are so self sufficient, mm-hmm. and I'm you know my friends who have dogs, it's like we'll be out, and I like to be spontaneous, and no, oh, mm-hmm. go have a drink, let's go see a movie, let's go do something. I can't. I have to go home and walk the dog, mm-hmm. and I I find that a huge imposition on my time, which again is why I shouldn't have children. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. At least like, you know. You know, if a dog is too much responsibility, mm-hmm. yeah, so I get that. Kids aren't going to be much easier. You're right. No, I hear they are not. <laughs> <laughs> and they live longer than dogs usually. So Yes, yes. Hopefully. You know. Hopefully. <laughs> God forbid something bad happens to your child. Yeah, you can yeah. get arrested for that. This is true. Uh, you know, or, just, yeah, well, other than neglect, but other other situations uh, that are horrific out there. Yeah, um, oh, I should stop talking. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you had mentioned earlier that you don't have to be naked to be on the Disney Channel, which is a good thing. That's right. That should be the slogan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to be naked to work for Mickey Mouse. Um, yeah. Why is it always considered, quote, unquote, being brave? for someone to take their clothes off on camera that isn't a conventional size two. I mean, everybody, hopefully everybody, gets in the shower and bathes, yeah. so we all know what somebody looks like naked. 
But yeah. why all of a sudden is it brave for X person to be on TV doing a, a shower scene, for example? It doesn't even have to be a well, love scene. I mean, I can tell you, and I think anyone would tell you, in the age of the Internet, mm-hmm. uh, you're just going to get abuse heaped on you. You know, if you just by showing your face, mm-hmm. you know, I've had people say terrible things because I have Jewish features and like there's just people on the Internet are terrible. I don't think we're breaking any news here and saying mm-hmm. that. And so if you do, you know, it's vulnerable for anyone of any size. And they didn't know you were Jewish off. from your last name being Metz. And I don't. I think they just feel like it's something I'm supposed to be ashamed of. Uh. You, you know, it's a weird. I, I don't totally understand that mm-hmm. mentality. I, I'm kind of proud to say, but it is something that people feel some need to like point and laugh at sometimes, which I'm always fascinated by. Like, it's yeah, that's my face. I put it on television. I'm obviously not ashamed of it. But you know, why should you be you paying the mortgage? Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's it's kind of goes back to like why should you lose weight? Like this this is who I am and it's working for me. I'm not sure why I would feel weird about it, but it, it's you know for anybody. When I, I worked on Nip Tuck, one of my first big roles was mm-hmm. on Nip Tuck, and that was pretty vulnerable. And we were we were I was doing my costume fitting, and um, the character has liposuction, and so we had to do a kind of pre and post surgery. So the pre was wearing bras and unflattering bras and panties that were too tight on me to make me look to bulge bigger out. than I was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And I, I was sort of weird about it. And I remember the wardrobe people saying, let me tell you, no one is more insecure about their bodies than the size zero dancers that we get in here. Mm-hmm. And that's always stuck with me. It's that the sort of fear of judgment and and just terror of of someone, you know, saying something awful about your body or your body not looking good is not restricted to plus size women or people who don't conform to beauty standards. Mm. Everyone has it. And mm. that's, so I guess sort of made me realize that everyone can choose to not participate in that. And that's, that was a freeing mm-hmm. decision. Like that role, I kind of sat down with myself and went to do this. I have to decide if I'm ready to love myself the way I am. Mm-hmm. Totally. If I'm not, I can't do this part. I like and that. I wanted to do the part, so I decided to make that decision then and there, and it has really uh, paid off. It doesn't mean I feel super solid all the time, right. but, you know, it's a conscious decision. And there were enough zeros in front of the decimal point to sit there and put you in extra tight underwear. Yeah, and about <laughs> the work, that was a great role, and it turns out a great experience. Like, I'm still friends with a lot of those people. That's awesome. And to to miss out on that because I was ashamed of myself or something, mm-hmm. that would be terrible. Right. Well, I've had, my body has uh, contoured, shall we say, uh, mm-hmm. in ver- in various forms throughout the years from, mm-hmm. from fit athlete, you know, from ultra skinny fit athlete to, you know, extremely overweight. And mm-hmm. it's interesting how people treat you at those three different stages. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I remember, um, probably around 2008 or something. I was working a full-time day job and the economy was terrible and lots of things were terrible and I got clinically depressed. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that happens was I was losing a lot of weight. And I went, I finally went to a shrink 
And he was like, what are your symptoms? I was like, I can't sleep. I'm crying all the time. I have no appetite. I'm losing weight. And he went, well, that's good, right? And I was like, I don't think so. I Maybe don't. not the right way to go about it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that, um, you know, losing so much interest in life that you don't, that you stop eating food is a positive. Mm -hmm. I would rather be bigger and happy mm -hmm. and healthy than skinny and clinically depressed. I just right. thought it was a crazy thing to say, but it just goes to show you like how kind of twisted our obsessions get with what bodies look like. Mm -hmm. It's, it's definitely interesting how, how it goes, but yeah. you, know, you, you were mentioning, you know, trolls on the internet. How has that, you know, off put you or helped you in continuing working on social media because social media is a big part of the machine in, yeah. in branding. And I hate referring to an individual as a brand because that yeah. dri drives me insane because you're a person. Yeah. But for this image that you have to concoct, you know, there's social media, Rebecca, and then there's cat mm -hmm. lady, Rebecca. Mm-hmm. So well, I how try to keep those two as as merged as mm -hmm. possible. Uh, Cat Lady Rebecca plays a big role on my Instagram. But, okay. but I understand the question. Interestingly, I uh, day job for a long time at Disney, mm -hmm. and part of my job was social media and online. I was working in online games for 11 years. And I worked for a while in moderation and customer service. And so part of what we did was look through all of the conversations people were having in our games to see what was abusive and what we needed to crack down on. And like, so I had a lot of exposure to trolls and bad online behavior. Mm -hmm. Not, not because it was, you know, a Disney game or any, but just because that's what people do online. Mm -hmm. Kids, you know? Um, and so I built kind of a tough skin to it early before it was aimed at me. Mm -hmm. And, and in my early roles, I would sort of, you know, it, the thing would air and I would Google myself to see what people were saying and mm -hmm. learned really quickly not <laughs> to do that. And just sort of, I guess I sort of came to the, to the place of like part of what, what audience members get to do mm -hmm. at this time in the world is judge you and talk about you mm -hmm. online. That's part of what they get to do as audience members. I don't need to subject myself to it. It's none of my business what other people think of me um, or what they say. That's a reflection of them, mm -hmm. not of me, you know, right. because I get as much as many people saying terrible things about me. I get mail from people saying you're gorgeous and, mm -hmm. you know, crazy stuff like that. Not, not that it's crazy that I'm gorgeous, but you know, you get the whole spectrum. And so you figure out eventually like, not all of these people can be right, right? Because they're all disagreeing with themselves. So maybe none of it matters, and I get to decide what I, I think of myself. I get it. So it's people telling you that you're the least attractive person on the face of the planet to the other extreme of your gorgeous semi pictures of your feet. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's real. Yeah, and so I think <laughs> like I make fun of that because I hear from how many people get feet request photos and it boggles yeah. my mind of like, of all the things you want to see of somebody, not their smile, not their eyes, their feet confuses yeah. the hell out of me. So there was if, that, a guy, if that's people's thing, God bless them. But right. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm not judging. There was a guy when I was doing small theater in LA a lot, when that was most of the acting I was doing, there was a guy who would come to the theater and ask all the actresses to let him take pictures of them on stage with their shoes off. And 
and we all started kind of talking to each other and being like, yeah, there's like a foot fetish guy who's going around and, you know, just if you want to do it, do it. But if you don't want to do it, we're there to support each other because it was weird. We were like, is he doing a coffee table book? Is this for his personal use? <laughs> what, what's the deal here? Um, yeah, the internet can be a treacherous place, and I think I'm I'm grateful that I came into it with a little bit of a skill set right. to manage it. So it's not so upsetting. Uh, I'm sorry. The fact that you said a coffee table book, the first thing that popped into my head was Hammer Toes of Hollywood because I just like alliteration. Oh. oh. <laughs> I mean, listen, if you want to do that, I'm no, 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 no. for it. I, I'm good on that. I just like alliteration. So that's the only yeah. reason why that popped into my head. Yeah, I Googled myself once, and there was like a foot fetish website that put me on there, and then everyone proceeded to talk about how terrible my feet were. And I was mm. like, well, I have an idea. Don't put me on your foot website then, right. fellas. Like, why? But okay, I mean, it is, thanks for sharing, I guess. Is that kind of a sense of pride or intrigue or confusion when you end up on a fetish site just for your feet? I, I, it's... It's just kind of like a, huh, that's a someone, I saw, <laughs> this seems like a, like I'm going off topic, but I swear it's coming back around. It's during okay, the I'm intrigued. Strike, during the writer's strike, whenever that was, we went to a um, fundraising show and Patton Oswalt did a set and he did this whole thing about this movie called Deathbed, The Bed That Eats People. Mm-hmm. And this whole thing about, well, he was like, someone got up at four in the morning to go get bagels so that people would be able to nourish themselves with breakfast to work through a full day of making Deathbed, The Bed That Eats People. And it was just like a love letter to weird movies and weird mm-hmm. people who make them. And that's sort of how I feel about it. I'm like, somebody bought a domain and like set up DNS support and, you know, mm. pays for the SSL certificate on this foot fetish website so that they can share their passion with other people where they want to hate on my feet. I mm. sort of feel like more power to you with right. those. Like, <laughs> I, I don't care anymore today about your opinions of my feet than I did before I knew you had opinions of my feet. Right. But, like, if that's what gives you joy... Go to town. I'm I'm so happy. What a wonderful world we live in where that's a thing that people can find community in, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, I'm so happy this is a TV uh, 14 conversation because, you know, talking (laughs) about feet is a complete departure from Disney. It is. It is, although um, I so often find myself just wanting to protect those kids from that world because, you know, the whole – they're out there and everybody can see them and, and you know, the girls, especially as they grow up, I I just, I, I want to like put a protective circle around them and and that's not my job, but uh, (laughs) I do have those feelings. Well, I mean, because you have the predators inside Hollywood and then you have the, the trolls outside on the internet. Cause I remember when the Olsen twins and Matt Mm -hmm. TV had done a sketch about this. Uh, the countdown clock to when they turned 18. And it was, <sighs> but the, Mad TV's sketch about it wasn't a sexualized one, it was a financial one. Uh huh. So it's uh-huh. like, oh, they're billionaires and they'll be 18 in like 27 hours, then we could marry them for money. So, yeah. I mean, e- that's still predatory, but at least I was happier that it was a predatory <laughs> basis on finance rather than sexuality. 
Yeah, yeah. We're we're like finding the the silver lining in predatory behavior. <laughs> Yeah, which is which is still sad, but at least you know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I I will say I feel very grateful to have um you know come to a point where people recognize me and know who I am when I was a fully formed adult, mm-hmm. so that I have a sense of self and some life experience behind me. I don't. Um, I just marvel at kids who grow up with their whole sort of whole adolescence in public view. Mm-hmm. broadcast on social media like that is a skill set I did not have mm-hmm. and uh I, I I'm glad I didn't have to have right you know uh, we joke around we, we would have been dead if half the stuff we did as kids ended up on the internet oh my god yeah yeah so. <laughs> I I can't um yeah no comment yeah <laughs> Yeah. Well, Orwell was wrong. We didn't have our freedoms taken away. We willing we willingly gave them up. Yeah. So. Threw them threw them into <laughs> the internet for corporate benefit. Yeah. Um you know, you work with teenagers and young adults on both shows. Mm-hmm. Um and again, one is more, you know, adult orientated, one is more family orientated. But how are, are the kids treated roughly the same on both sets? Because there are standards and practices that need to be taken care of when someone's under the age of 18. Absolutely. I mean, that stuff is the same on both sets. But the shows themselves are so wildly different. Like, yeah. Coop and Cammy is a multicam. Mm-hmm. We shoot it on one soundstage. Um, it's the, we, we do an episode a week. We have three rehearsal days and two shoot days. It's a very, it's kind of like workshopping a little play every week. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like comedy, you know, um, and it is all about the kids. Mm-hmm. Whereas better things is it shoots on location. We crossboard everything, which means we're shooting all 10 or 12 episodes at once. So like in a given location, we're going to shoot everything that happens in that location from all 10 episodes. And so, and, and also it's, it's just a less of a conventional kind of plot driven show. Right. So it's not so much about this happens and this happens and this happens. And where am I in that story? It's much more kind of built around vignettes and, and not stream of consciousness, but you know what I mean? If you've seen Mm -hmm. the show, you know what I mean? And so the, the, the nature of the work, the nature of the acting is very different between those two shows and the mm-hmm. the schedule and the rhythm of them and the tone of them is super different. The, so the kids, that changes how the kids are treated just in terms of like the vibe and the kind mm-hmm. of material that they're working on. But they also go to school when they need to go to school and, um, you know, their, their hours and restrictions. Right are respected and, and heeded. The nice thing on Coop and Cammy is that um, I'm the only adult on the show and none of the kids can work overtime, mm-hmm. which means I pretty much don't work overtime. Occasionally <laughs> they will wrap all the kids and I will do my, you know, my lines to a piece of tape right. for 15 minutes with the whole crew standing around being like, TikTok lady, let's get out of here. Um, but but there's no one for me to act with right. when that happens, so we don't do it that often. So the hours are pretty nice. And I will say, on better things, um, Pam works really hard to keep the hours humane so that the crew can get home to their families. You know, she's she's a mom, right? First and foremost, as a human being, and so she doesn't um, she doesn't want to shoot all night. And her either. daughter's on the show, Pam. So, uh huh, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. It's got to be interesting to have that acting family because Pam was a child actress that the mm-hmm. transitioned and made it out of childhood into adult acting. Her daughter is 21 years old and playing a high school kid, which yep. always confuses me, but it makes sense because they're full-grown adults that can pass for younger, so God bless them. Yeah. yeah. Um, since you work on a Disney can- Channel show, and yep. since it is a lighter show, mm-hmm. what is your favorite dad joke that you got to either say or have heard on set? On set? Oh, I'm going to fail at this question. I'm immediately going to my own dad's jokes. Well, you can use yours then. That's fine. Okay. Uh, Mushroom walks into a bar. Bartender says, hey, man, we don't serve mushrooms in here. Mushroom says, why not? I'm a fun guy. Get it? Ooh. That's it. That's my dad I, joke. I like it, though. I do like it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Dad, I, uh, dad jokes are addictive. I feel like I'm not super skilled at telling the dad jokes, which, again, why I'm not a parent. Right. <laughs> again. I feel like the the jokes, like... Mm-hmm. On set, these children are very sophisticated. So, like, mm-hmm. if someone told a dad joke, they would all just roll their eyes and walk away. The dad jokes would just be among the dads on set entertaining themselves. Right. Which is kind of what dad jokes are for, I guess. Absolutely. Do you have a favorite dad joke? Um, I don't really have a favorite one, but your fun guy one was a good one. Yeah, you can use that. Thank you. I want credit, but you can use that. Oh, no, no, no. I'll quote you to, you know, to the day is long. I'm just like, (laughs) you know. Until the writer of the fun guy joke tracks me down and sues me for copywriting. Exactly. Well, no, because it'll be Rebecca Metz told me a joke. Okay, good. Didn't write the joke, told me a joke. Fair use. Yes, exactly. You know, 107, what is it, 107B is the, yeah, section 107B, I believe, is the law for it. So. Oh, Okay. Yeah. I'm glad you know. Well, we have to use use that code for fair use for us because when we publish uh-huh. uh, various articles or, or images, and, right. you know, right. fair use for press. But right. Re- Rebecca, I'm going to leave you with this. Um, I want to ask you one question about your husband. Okay. Um, whether he's in the industry or not doesn't matter. But it's mm-hmm. what's it like for him? Mm. When you're recognized, whether either it's you know Nip Tuck, uh, Shameless. Uh, mm-hmm. better things or when kids are around with a Disney channel, does he look mm-hmm. at you and all these kids are fawning over you and going, maybe we should have kids at some point or yeah. is he like, Oh, thank God. You know, we don't type deal. So like, what's his reaction when your various fan bases talk to you? He just gets really proud. He, mm-hmm. you know, we were together before when I was still full-time day jobbing mm-hmm. and neither of us was doing what we loved for a living. And, um, you know, we were both like striving, striving, striving to get there. And so now that we are there, um, he's just really proud when someone recognizes me or says something nice to me about my work because he knows how hard I worked to get here. So it's it's really nice. When kids come up to me, Neither of us has the reaction. Maybe we should have kids. That's not mm. a thing. That ship has sailed. <laughs> we're we're rock solid in our decision. But it is right. really sweet, and and it's 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 lovely for me to see how proud he is of me. Perfect, Rebecca. Where can we find you on social media? I am the Rebecca Metz on Twitter and Instagram, and I something like the Rebecca Metz, the Rebecca Metz on Facebook. But really, who goes to Facebook anymore? So. <laughs> 
the Rebecca Mattis on Twitter and Instagram. Well, if you want to argue politics, we'll find you on Facebook. And if we want to talk to you yeah. like a decent human being, we'll find you on Instagram. I love it. <laughs> Rebecca, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it was a great pleasure talking to you, and I hope I get to see you face-to-face soon. Likewise. Such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care.